Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Squiggly Career Podcast from Amazing If. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co-host, Helen. Hello, everyone. Did you like the way I, I called you a co-host then? Yeah, I, was, I, think, I, think, I think that was the first co-host, time we co-host, co-founder, friend, I'll take all of those. I know, but I feel like now that co-host is a bit more of like a radio DJ sort of uh, phrase. <laughs> Lifelong <laughs> aspiration. Exactly. Thank you everyone for joining us um, this week. If you are new to the podcast, the purpose of this podcast is to help everyone to develop the skills that we all need to succeed in our increasingly squiggly careers. Um, Helen, how's your week been so far? We're actually recording this in the morning, which is quite unusual because we I usually know, I like we, it. we tend to do them in an evening. So, how's your squiggly week going so far? It's okay. I, I'm back from holiday this week, so it's a bit of a, a, a shorter week for me. So it's flown by. Um, yeah, a podcast in the morning. I feel like I'm, I'm an early bird, so I've got quite a lot of energy. I have to make sure <laughs> I don't talk too fast because that's normally normally what happens when I've got too much energy. But yeah, I'm fueled. I've had two coffees. Been up since five, it's all good. So we're going to get a frantic and efficient podcast (laughs) in the next 30 minutes. Uh, We were laughing this morning because we're both working at home this morning to record the podcast. Though my little boy, who's uh, about a year old, isn't very well. So if you do hear random screams in the background, <laughs> I've not left him feral around the house. He he has actually got someone looking after after him. But the, if you hear the, the odd cry, like, no one panic. He's being well looked after, <laughs> brackets probably. Um, and if there's a, a, a really dramatic scenario, you'll hear me disappear. But um, my week has been particularly squiggly because of that when you're kind of halfway through a meeting and you get the phone call oh yeah, you know, you need to come pick him up from nursery and you're like, right, and desperately trying to work out how you're going to make that work. And I think our attitude to working from home is probably slightly different given we record this so we can also see each other. And I think it was a quite a dramatic uh, difference, I guess, in our approach to working from home in that I'm sitting here having prioritised having a coffee over having a shower and Helen is sitting in her house looking very glamorous <laughs> with makeup on, her hair curled, literally looking like she could walk into a business meeting. Um, I've got shorts and a t-shirt on and don't have quite the you know, same glamour about me. I find it's funny though, but people well, like they're working from home. I know a lot of people work, like to work from home because so they don't like, they can just wear their pajamas basically and work from home. But I like to get ready just as if I was going to an office or a meeting because it like gets my mindset 
ready to, <laughs> yeah you yeah. know I like to follow a routine I kind of quite like like following the same routine in the morning getting up at the same time all that kind of jazz so I've already had two coffees I just get myself ready and then I feel like worky ready I've journaled this morning I've been efficient <laughs> <laughs> um if, and if it's reassuring to people who maybe don't like mornings quite so much <laughs> which is definitely me I still had to get up at half five because of because of having a one-year-old but yeah I basically slouched around with him watched Teletubbies for a bit Went and got myself a coffee, ate a cinnamon well, and that's it. That's all I've done this morning. <laughs> I love that you're watching Teletubbies, how time changed. Mm, I don't, I actually don't love that bit, but um, you know, it's, it's the minute I walk out the room, he starts crying. So essentially you have no choice other than to watch these, this very green, very weird world. <laughs> so this week, what we're we talking about, we're talking about um, introversion and extroversion and the difference between being an introvert and extrovert. And I think this is a fascinating topic and one that's being talked about, I think, much more over the past sort of three or four years. And in the context of a squiggly career, kind of why is this important? Well, I think not only is introversion, extroversion important, I think generally having high levels of self-awareness in terms of your style, how you like to work, how you can make sure that you do your best work becomes increasingly important as everything gets squigglier because you need to have confidence in yourself and making the right decisions for you to work out when will I be at my happiest? How do I like to work? How can I be most productive and effective? Even Helen and I describing our morning routines there, they could not be more different. But there's no right or wrong. I mean, Helen's might sound more right, I appreciate. You know, she's <laughs> sitting there sounding very professional. But if actually you ease your way into a day and you're really effective in the evening or you like to recharge in a very kind of different way, and you know you you like to work by yourself versus liking working in teams this is not really about right wrong or one one thing is better than another I think it's about understanding yourself how to make sure that you can use all the things you're brilliant at as much as the time as you can and the second part that I think is always really helpful with this kind of understanding profiling point is it's really powerful to understand other people because I think once you've got to a certain point for yourself now, a lot of the time, I find the value in, in lots of the content we're going to talk about today is actually understanding other people, why they might behave as they are behaving, how can I build more effective relationships, which again, in this squiggly career, I think we're all going to have to get loads better at building the right, right relationships to support our careers. I totally agree. And I think in terms of introversion and extroversion, I feel like we've talked about it for such a long time. Sarah and I went to uni together and I think we first did Myers-Briggs, which is one of the more common tests though it's got its critiques but one of the more common tests for whether you're on where you sit on an introversion extroversion scale and I feel like we've been we've been talking about it for quite a long time but in order to prep for this podcast I was doing a bit of research and I learned quite a lot of new information actually about it and, and a new term which I'll kind of talk about in a second but one of the big things that stuck with me when I was doing the research about introversion and extroversion was that there's actually this like really big myth that exists that introverts are basically quiet people and extroverts are really loud people and that's it it's that simple and and if you're a loud person you're you know you're an extrovert and end of and that's the box that you've been put in but when I was looking at the research and Susan Kane is someone who's done a lot of research on this and a big TED talk we'll give you all the resources for that later on but what it actually means is it's about how you respond to and process stimuli and so if we you know, put it really simply, introverts 
they get their energy from solitude. So they are actually, in their minds, their minds are sort of more sensitive to stimulus. So they don't need as much of it, if you like, to get their fill. Whereas extroverts, they're not so sensitive to stimulus. So they they seek more of it. So it's a biological explanation to it. Um, But it's really about what stimulates your brain. And if you're an introvert, you just need less stimulus. You 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 don't need to meet as many people. You don't need to engage with many people because your brain doesn't need it as much. Whereas extroverts almost just have a bigger need because of how they're wired and when I was looking at the research because I was trying to think what's the simplest way of you you know listening on the podcast the simplest way of you getting a feel for maybe where you sit on this introversion extroversion uh, scale the simplest thing I found was from Susan Kane, and it was this question about where does your energy come from and in that are clues to where you might sit on the scale we'll give you some other tests so you can get a bit more accurate but I thought that was such an interesting question that maybe Sarah and I we've not prepped for this but Sarah and I could maybe ask each other that and see whether it gives us any any clues so Sarah where where do you get your energy from um I think I think that's a really good question because I often think about both energy and recovery you know and we actually talked about this didn't we a bit last week in the work well-being podcast around and so I think those two things are linked so I think I usually get the most energy from spending time with one person one other person so um that doesn't necessarily have to be like a meeting but spending time with somebody else who often has um i i often get the most energy actually from spending time with people who are relatively extrovert or people who i imagine would be an extrovert and that's that's kind of me making some assumptions but people who i can share ideas with whether they're fully formed ideas initial thoughts or musings and people who can challenge me ask me questions we can sort of i feel like we're sort of building something together but then actually after those kind of almost like quite high energy moments I then have a real sense of also wanting to be my, by myself to then reflect and kind of work out what I think. I really like walking by myself, actually. I, I, I try to, wherever I can, walk to work and walk back from work to like, at least station by myself, and that's quite a long walk. But I do that because I find that that helps me to recover after kind of having those high-energy moments. So if I was to kind of pick moments, I think it's one-to-one situations and there's something about I'm creating something with someone else, and that's often when I feel most energetic. Hmm. Oh, I think mine, in terms of where I get my energy from, I think mine would be one to many. So I think that's different. I love a team environment, providing it's like a high energy, positive team. So where there's a bit of banter, you're creating, you're, you know, you're up on a whiteboard, you know, even talking about that makes me feel like quite excited. The thought I could be like doing that in a room with a team that gives me loads of energy one-to-ones not so I sometimes I find one-to-ones draining actually because it's so it's quite intense for me whereas I find that 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 kind of group environment a bit more exciting but I still do need time on my own like I love a day where I can and I will work like I will start at like six in my office and I'll finish at seven and I'll just work I don't even have to leave the room so something that really irritates Sarah <laughs> which is like Helen we need to get some space but I can work very intensely on something and I need to do that if I don't do that for a while I feel like I haven't thought enough or I haven't produced something so I, I feel like that's my maybe my recovery thing but I'd say 80% of my week I can do that group environment that buzzy thing that I, I really need that but then I that recovery is probably 20% of my week I need to have just some time when I'm not talking to anybody and I'm just head down thinking creating like you know producing my thoughts 
And is it worth sharing, I guess, when we've both done, so Myers-Briggs, as Helen talked about, is the most commonly used profiling tool, I would say. Um, And we'll give you the resources at the end of the podcast because there's actually a way of doing that now for free. So uh, you can all go away and work out what your kind of personality profile is. When we both do those profiles, um, Helen, what what do you come out as and and has it changed over time or does it stay, has it stayed the same? So mine is, and I don't know how much this will mean to everybody, but mine is an ENTJ, and I won't go through all what all the acronyms mean, but the profile, Sarah, it's funny, Sarah and I were, were kind of messaging each other last night about this, and um, what does it, what does it call, the thing you were looking at, it was called Commander, was like the yeah. profile, and yeah, it's yeah. Like they're, they're natural born leaders, they've got charisma, confidence, they project authority, but they've got a ruthless level of rationality, and they can use their drive, determination, and sharp mind to achieve whatever they set themselves, almost like regardless. Regardless of the cost, so I think that's the uh, that's the summary of what my profile means. And I you think... sound absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but I don't think I'm quite all of that, which is why you know sometimes these profile tools they really do put you in a box sometimes. But yeah. I can see some of myself in that. And Sarah and I like we were messaging each other, and I was like, "Am I ruthlessly rational?" And we were like, "No, no, no." But you you, you can be a bit ruthlessly efficient. <laughs> so so there's definitely some truth in that profile for me. And and your question of has it stayed true? Again, we did this at university, which is about eighteen years ago. Years I think. ago, yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I was an ENTJ then, and I've done it at other times in my careers, and I've always been an ENTJ. So I think there is some. Um, consistency equally that's me scoring myself so you've always got to be a bit aware of you scoring yourself versus other people scoring you but I have I consistently see myself as an ENTJ based on the surveys that I've done what about you um so when I first did, I've done these profiles probably three or four times and if you're listening and thinking I don't like the idea of answering some questions and that telling me who I am as a person that's absolutely not what you should be using these for I just think they're one useful um, data point, essentially, to help you think through, um, you know, who you are and kind of what's important to you. So please don't feel like this kind of will give you all of the answers. Though it is interesting how uh, when people do it, and I've sort of mentioned it to friends and stuff, people actually really love it. They find it, everyone quite likes a kind of quiz, don't they, essentially? (laughs) Um, And when I do, so when I've done mine, mine has changed. So I think in certainly probably the first at least six or seven years of my career, I felt like I needed to be an extrovert to be successful. And I, so, I, I associated those two things together, that the people that I knew that were successful, the role models that I saw and the things that I read sort of implied to me either explicitly or implicitly that actually it was really important to be an extrovert. That's how you progressed. That's what success looked like. So when I used to do my Myers-Briggs profiles, I always came out, um, I actually always came out as an ENTJ, exactly the same as Helen. And as people who've been listening to podcasts for a while probably start to appreciate, there is absolutely no way that I'm an ENTJ. <laughs> I was essentially uh, like, what's the word? Like gaming the system to make sure that I got the result that I wanted to. And, you know, in some ways I go, I'm quite impressed that I was smart enough to be able to work that out, to be honest. But it does just show you can either fill these in honestly or you can just fill them in and kind of think, well, that's, I think at the time I was filling it in for the person that I would like to be rather than the person that I was. And then over time, as I I think I became more confident and comfortable in myself, my profile actually shifted relatively radically. And I'm now what's called an INFJ. And that's um, been very consistent. And the biggest, really the biggest shift there is the I, which is introvert. And I think um, when I started to really understand what it meant to be an introvert and that it wasn't a bad thing and that it was okay and that it wasn't going to 
detrimentally impactful the things I wanted to do, I started to embrace it a bit more and became a much happier, but also more aware about why I found some situations really difficult. Because one of the things it sort of talks about with kind of introverts is often you do find very big social situations either quite intimidating or you get quite nervous. And one of the um, in the profile descriptions it says is like you will never choose to social like to you know almost like never choose to socialize, <laughs> which sounds awful. But I was like, there's definitely quite a lot of that in me. I'm really happy to spend time with people for a specific purpose. It was like when it's quite if it's very work focused, I'll think oh yeah, that'll be useful because I want to learn about that thing. But if it was just, oh, let's all get together and have a drink, I would just think, oh, I'd rather read a book. I've got uni flashbacks of where that was definitely very true. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how many people in our university degree do you think were an extrovert out of like the 26 of us? 25? Do you think I was like the only one? Yeah, it was quite a few. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that was fun. That was a fun time for me. Um, But yeah, mine is, so Helen talks about hers being a commander. Mine is uh, called an advocate which means that you have an inborn sense of idealism and morality. Um, And what apparently sets me apart is that I'm not an idle dreamer, but a person capable of taking concrete steps to realise their goals and make a long-lasting positive impact. So I think yours sounds a lot nicer. (laughs) Basically, I'm probably going to save the world. I think that's my my conclusion from that. Uh, And I'm going to help you make it happen with drive and determination and research practicality or whatever it was. So between Um, us, we'll get there. So the other thing when I was researching that I came across, which I found really interesting, because I think we've talked about, you know, majority of time you like one-to-one, I like one-to-many, but we both have this thing where we like some time on our own to recover. And there was a concept that I came across in the research called ambivert, which which I think is quite a new thing. I don't know how new it is, but I hadn't really come across it much. I don't think a huge amount of work's been done on it. But um, an academic, I suppose, and an author and a presenter that we both like called Adam Grant, also has a great podcast, by the way. Um, He's at Wharton and he's done some research that says actually two thirds of people don't identify strongly as an introvert or an extrovert. They sit somewhere in the middle and this somewhere in the middle point is an ambivert. And they have both got introverted and extroverted tendencies but it depends on the situation as to which way they lean and um I actually am quite interested in it I do wonder if there are not that many studies to identify yourself as an ambivert but I do wonder where you and I might sit on that and you know given two-thirds of people listening to this podcast are probably an ambivert your point earlier about why do you want to care about this in a squiggly career it's not to put yourself in a box and go I'm an ENTJ for life it is to understand your preferences and particularly I think when when those preferences are triggered and when they might serve you and when they might not serve you and what we wanted to do in the podcast today is talk about some situations that are likely to trigger your introvert or extrovert sort of preference um and just think about where that might work for you or against you and share our experiences because i think that's that's the big takeaway from here is just the awareness and um ability to do something about it in a situation so shall we dive into those situations sarah when they can help or hinder you and then maybe after that we can kind of give you some pointers and some resources for how you can find out what your preference is yep let's go Okay, so the first situation then um, that we think when, when it really counts what your kind of preference is, is um, building relationships um, because, it, you know, these, these preferences can serve you or not serve you in the context of building relationships. So maybe, Sarah, if you, if you kick off with when you're sort of m- more, more I, potentially you're an ambivert, but your, your slightly higher introvert um, preference has worked for you and against you maybe in building relationships. 
Yeah, so I think um, building relationships for me, um, I, I would regard as one of my strengths. And I, I, I feel that my introvert tendencies mean that I can build very strong, long-lasting, deep relationships, but probably not with loads of people. Um, I like to kind of get to know people at more than just a kind of super superficial or transactional level. And what I then find is that I take people with me. So in terms of squiggly careers, and we talk about you might be doing multiple things simultaneously, or you might change jobs more often. I'm still, you know, last week I saw, uh, you know, the lady that I worked for at Barclays probably now nearly sort of 10 years ago. Um, and so she's somebody who I uh, had a brilliant relationship with then, who was you know very much mentored me and supported me. And 10 years on, I still I still know her, I spend time with her, and I can imagine I'll do be doing exactly the same in ten years' time. And so um I think building that those relationships in a kind of authentic way to me, I very much um focus on you know, for me building relationships starts with thinking about what you can give and not what you can gain, um, which is one of the things that we talk about in kind of the networking podcast. And that approach has has served me really well. It means that I've got um a really a kind of not not a, a massive network, but a network of people who I know are very supportive of me and will definitely help me in my career. But also, I feel like I've been able to reciprocate over time. Um, and I I find now that actually because I've done that successfully, often people recommend meeting me to other people. So it's kind of a really nice self fulfilling cycle of someone someone will get in touch with me a slightly kind of random uh, connection, but say, oh, you might remember me from this point. Uh, or I know someone that you know, Yeah, I wondered if you could help me with this, or I've got something that might be useful to you. Actually, on the point of university, uh, this week somebody from our university degree um, had had the podcast recommended to them, <laughs> and she's someone who I've probably seen once since university because we happen to work in the same area, and she sent me a message on LinkedIn just saying, oh, I had your, I had your podcast recommended, so I've listened to you and Helen, obviously she knows <laughs> you as well. Oh, I just you know, and she obviously enjoyed it and had recommended it to a few of the people, and then we're going to get a coffee, um, and so those are the sorts of kind of relationships. Off that's often how I start to build my relationships. So that's where it works for me. Um, where it kind of works against me is, I I so the first thing is I I get nervous meeting new people always. It doesn't matter what context that's in. Um, I'm always more comfortable once I've had kind of a first meeting with someone. And when I'm nervous, I actually get overly enthusiastic. That's my way of essentially compensating. Overly enthusiastic and probably stop listening um, with the same kind of meaning um, that I would do usually. I've become very aware of that and try to relax into meeting someone for the first time a bit more and not get a bit too kind of frantic, which is basically my coping mechanism. So that's one way it doesn't work as well for me, but I've, I've kind of learned to get better the other is definitely big social situations and even now for work where sometimes I have to go to big events where there's maybe hundreds of people just the scale of those and you know that a lot of people have it but that nervousness of walking into a room where you think I'm by myself and I don't know anyone (laughs) I absolutely hate that I I I with a passion I hate it that much I find it so it makes me really anxious and really, um, I suppose, I don't think I, there's any, any way of me thinking I'm suddenly going to enjoy that. What I just find is that, um, and I think, I'm sure we've talked about it before, if I'm going to be in that kind of situation, if it's genuinely something I'm very nervous about, I will think about, 
Is there someone I could take with me? Is there a way of kind of uh, reducing that anxiety? Or I sometimes just have to talk to myself in my head and go, okay, you're going to hate the first five minutes. Go over, just get a drink, say hello to someone. No one is not going to say hello back. And and I just, it's almost dealing with the, like, you know, you go to an event and there's like networking drinks or something for half an hour before. Yeah, love it. I, <laughs> I would turn up. In my ideal world, I would turn at one minute before the actual thing starts. <laughs> and so, and I know that about myself and it's not, um, it's not great. It, I, I think that kind of the ability to socialise in a more informal way is really important. And I do recognise that, but I have to work really hard to make myself do it. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's so funny because my, my flip side of so extra um, uh, uh, preference and t- taking that event example, I actually much prefer that networking bit when you're standing up and you, you've got a you know a glass oh, in your hand and you're chatting no. I much prefer that to when you're sat down at a table as soon as I'm sat down at a table and I just have to talk to one or two people I'm a bit like meh this isn't exciting I love exciting. it I love I the table bit I cannot wait you know when no. like events start late I'm like I just want to go and sit no, down and talk no. to someone I really wish that they like rotated tables or rotated seats. I'm a oh bit like, God. I know this. This is a very real difference, I think, because I just want to meet and talk to as many people as possible and get excited. And potentially, I might get bored of the conversation quite quickly. Um, and so I feel like when I'm when I'm sat there, I just kind of want to move around a little bit. Whereas obviously for you, that's like that's great. You can you can have a deeper, richer conversation. Whereas for me, I kind of want to be excited. It's that stimulus thing again. Like I get the the more interactions I have, the more stimulated I am, and I think I need quite a lot of it, or I get bored. So I think the the positive for me in the context of, and then that was talking about an event, but just generally in terms of building relationships. Let's say it's a meeting at work, or it's meeting my new team, or you know, yesterday I met my new manager, for example. I have no fear. There's very few people that I have a fear about meeting. I um, occasionally seniority might bring it in, but that's more because I'm like, oh, my career's, <laughs> I've got to, got to make a good impression. But generally, I don't really have a, a lot of fear about who I'm meeting and whether that's 
a senior person or it's a large group of 100 people or whatever it is, I embrace it and the benefit of that is that I sometimes get random opportunities because I meet lots of different people and I can connect them and I just get excited by it. The challenge is I think it can scare people off. So being in building relationships, my extrovert tendencies, particularly managing teams actually, might um, might alienate some people. I'm aware of it. I don't think I've always fully got a hold of it, but I think it can sometimes make me lean towards people who are more like me, people who are positive and energetic and want to work in that same way. And sometimes I think people who are introverted, I don't, I have to work ex- sort of extra hard to bring those people in because they don't give me the energy and stimulus as much as maybe other extroverts do. So I'm aware of it, but as a manager, it's definitely a challenge for me. Yeah, and I think that um, is a key point in terms of um, once you understand the positives and the areas where it might hold you back, then I think it's up to you to take ownership for being flexible, being adaptable. So I don't think, so, and I have heard people do this before, I don't think profiles can then be used as an excuse. Yeah, <laughs> and agree. I actually made my, um, this doesn't sound fun, but it was actually quite funny. I had like my boyfriend and my sister and a couple of people around and I was talking about it for some reason and they were all like, right, we want to do this. It sounds like a quiz. All did their like 16 personalities profile. And then actually, honestly, my boyfriend has started to use it as a bit of an excuse. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I need that because I'm a logistician. And I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't, you can't just tell me that you want to do something in a certain way just because of some profile thing that I've made you do. <laughs> and actually, I have heard that in a work setting as well, where yeah. people will... So that would be like me saying to you, oh, Helen, I'm not going to go to that big event that'll be useful for Amazing If because, you know, obviously I'm an introvert, so that's going to put me under a lot of pressure. I don't think that's the answer. The answer is partly you've just understood why you find it hard. Then you could think about how you can cope better. And you still need to, at times, put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. I just think, actually, you do a better job of it. So now when I do go to big events, and I do actually have to go to quite a few I'm just loads more comfortable with it because I just I know that I'll find it hard. I always go, I accept I find it hard. I'll get through I I will make an effort to go to that half an hour before, talk to a few people and then almost breathe a sigh of release once I get to the table. So uh, just just make sure that you're not then using this as a reason to not do things that are important to your career because I think the people who get the best work um out of themselves and get the best opportunities coming to them are still adaptable enough to realize where they need to kind of flex their style. So that first situation was building relationships. The second one, when we think it really counts, is leading teams. Now, now I've touched on this, and I've kind of touched on the challenges of that, really, that you can, as an extrovert, I can alienate introverts um, because I lean into those people that give me energy. A positive, I think, of my my preference of extroversion in terms of a team environment is that I can create momentum, uh, team spirit and fun and energy. I can inject that as well as kind of taking that out. So I think that that, that is something that's useful for, for me. Sarah, what about you in terms of leading leading teams? Where do you think it, it serves you or doesn't? Um, I think it serves me well in terms of I have I, I have high levels of empathy and I think emotional intelligence and ability to read how individuals might be feeling as part of that team. So I think I would I kind of would often understand how a team dynamic is working, where there's challenges, um, look at and, and understand people's different kind of preferences and styles. And, and have quite a kind of thoughtful, I think, and considered perspective and approach to, to leading a team where I think of everyone as an individual as well as as a team. I think where I'm, it can sometimes hold me back is 
I'm I'm often really good at uh, having kind of reflections and observations and insights around teams or individuals and how people are performing. Um, but at times, I think you have to act in the moment. And because I'm naturally more, um, you know, I observe and reflect, that often happens after, after things, you know, after a meeting or after at the end of a day. And at times, you have to, I think, propel yourself to take action there and then. And I can, I can definitely procrastinate on doing something because I'll be, over, I'll be thinking it to the point of overthinking. And sometimes you have to take action um, in the moment, and that's when it's most needed and has the most impact. And sometimes that natural style can stop me doing that, and then it takes too long and then you know you kind of lose the impetus and the momentum that you were talking about yeah I can see that again it's it's aware that we are I think opposite there whereas I probably take action quite quickly sometimes without having done all the thinking that might need to be done and I really have to stop myself my tendency is just to run with it what do they say that bull in a china shop (laughs) that has been said about my approach more than once Uh, so I I have to work very hard to stop myself my to just responding to it but Um, I remember on that point we were um once uh, entering we were both looking we were looking weren't we at entering an award for amazing yeah. if yeah. and the deadline was really short and I just looked at it and thought and I can't I can't do this it's too too short a time I'm not particularly kind of spontaneous we won't be able to do a very good job whereas actually what you did was you were just like oh, I'm just gonna write it and you just wrote it really quickly and it wasn't perfect but then actually it, it did work and it was it was good enough in in that moment and in that moment you just recognized this is not the time to spend loads of time reflecting or talking about this. You've just got to do something. So yeah. it's also incredibly powerful. We also won an award on that night. It wasn't the yeah, gold exactly. that you're quite, but we did. I know we'll leave it, but we did. We did get the award. So I think, yeah, I um, I'm quite good at that eighty percent thing because of yeah. my I kind of drive to get it done. So the last, the last one then that we think a situation where it's really, really important um, is in terms of how you influence other people. I think this is where, again, it can work for you um, and against you. And if I look at my preference, the being an extrovert in, in, extrovert, sorry, in terms of how I um, work with people, that is really positive because if I'm trying to influence someone, I'm happy to call things out. Like if I, I, want, if I want to have a conversation about someone, I want to change a direction or um, have some form of maybe quite the conflicting conversation, I'm really happy to put something on the table, ask difficult questions, call it out. I've got better at this because I've sort of honed... I've got a, I guess I've um, matured in how I do it but I do think my extroversion helps me because I don't I don't have to overthink it or the implications of me doing it and I can once I've got my mindset of right I'm going to do it I'm, I'm fine to have those slightly more difficult conversations in terms of successfully influencing people though I think sometimes my extroversion means that I talk more than I listen I think it's a real downside um, and I try and manage it but it's, it's so it's so hard I just I kind of I want to share and engage all the time and um, that's part of my preference but influencing is not all about tell all the time you know sometimes you have to listen and respond and, and softly softly um, and I think for me in terms of influencing because I'm an extrovert I always put my cards on the table I was like it's like the worst poker player in the world I'm like here's how I'm feeling, this is what we're doing, let's go do it, it'll be great. And I kind of, I think actually, sometimes, again, that not having that need for speed, that approaching it in a slightly more sophisticated way, listening, responding, which I think would be interesting to hear your perspective on it, Sarah, but I think that's all more aligned to an introvert preference about how you might approach it. Um, I think that can be successful in influencing. I think with, I generally 
succeed in influencing through my energy and my drive and my passion is probably what I lean on a lot and I think I could be more sophisticated in how I do it but that's not natural to my um kind of preference yes I think I would be slightly different because I think we both have jobs where we have to we spend you spend a lot of time influencing other people because that's a big part of any I think squiggly careers generally actually you're there's way more connecting the dots, I think, in every job that you do now, because that's if you don't work with lots of different people or different teams, you can't ever make anything happen. There's very few things I think you can do in isolation. So I think this is something that everybody needs to kind of get good at in terms of wanting to get to an outcome, wanting to make something happen. You've got to galvanise people or teams around you. And I would say I do it in a, definitely with the same energy and passion and that kind of Helen talked about. I don't think that has to only be an extrovert thing. I think you can obviously have that if you're an introvert. But for me, I think where I'm often at my best is I spend time and think about what motivates and drives different people. Um, I try to really kind of walk in their shoes in terms of thinking about, okay, well, if somebody's in this role or leading this particular team, what's going to be most important to them? And why is that really important? Is that in terms of personally important to them, professionally important? Um, How might what I'm doing impact what they do? whether that's day to day or kind of in the long term. And then I think using that as um, a way to then position whatever I'm trying to do in a, a frame it, I guess, in a way that feels relevant to, to that individual. So being able to kind of take the core of whatever it is I'm doing and adapt it appropriately, I think is essentially how I often kind of get things done. So that is more of, I think, um, a nuanced approach. Um, and I've worked with some people who are very good at this and I think I've kind of learned from some of the best but that's very different to, um, you know, you were talking about kind of motivating and driving people. You probably would get things done quicker in the mm-hmm. way that you talked talked about. Equally, you might find that some people don't come with you and you might not know that because you'd probably still, you'd have that kind of momentum. Um, I, I do think, though, the challenge in doing, um, in the kind of the approach that I sometimes take is, A, it can be time. So because I'm uh, like lots of introverts, I think, um, I don't think it's particular to introverts or extroverts, but I'm, I'm also naturally very collaborative. It then means that you sort of have this sense and feeling of wanting to engage everyone before taking action. Um, so that can just, I think overly collab- over collaboration can slow you down. And where perspectives are very different to mine, I find that really hard. So even if I've understood that somebody um, is motivated by something very different, if I find that it radically conflicts with my own point of view, I find it hard to influence and persuade that person because I, I feel like I'm in such a different starting place to them that I wonder then, I think I make some assumptions about, well, will they ever change their attitude to this project or this point of view? And so I think it's this, I, I often think influencing and persuading is actually a really difficult skill in terms of being brilliant at it. Um, you know, it's often something you see uh, lots of people who work in politics um, or in public affairs in that kind of arena get very good at it. There's um, a quote actually by Gary Hamill who talks um, a lot about kind of leadership. And I can't remember the exact quote, but I'll have a look for it. But it's essentially saying that when you're leading and you're in control of everything, essentially it's easier. When you're trying to lead through influencing and persuading, it's actually the hardest thing you can do. So, you know, when people don't basically have to do what you say, mm-hmm. where you're, you know, where basically they have a choice, he, he reckons that's one of like the hardest leadership skills there are. And I think I, that's definitely been my experience. And I think I was just listening to you then and I, I was thinking to myself a little bit about 
if you know what your preference is, so whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, or an ambivert, would you pick? Would you pick a, jo- a different job or a different company based on that? Like, if you saw a company that you thought was more extrovert, would you not go for it if you're an introvert? Or actually, is this just about you can work anywhere, you can do any job? Just you know, look thinking about how you are at your best in the context of when your preference serves you and doesn't serve you and I'm I'm quite confident it's the latter I think this shouldn't stop you knowing what you are shouldn't stop you from doing any particular job or any working in any particular company and I, I guess an evidence point for that um earlier we mentioned Adam Wharton and his research on ambiverts and what he found out was that um basically there's an assumption that salespeople, for example that the best salespeople are extroverts that's sort of like a commonly held assumption but actually the best his research showed that the best performing salespeople were introverts and so I think that's kind of like a reinforcement enforcer that the in terms of taking actions from this podcast finding out what your preference is is the first action but that doesn't mean don't go for certain jobs or don't work in certain companies that you might have assumptions about where what their kind of overall culture is based on that sort of preference it does mean that think about how you do the job you can you do to the best of your ability with with that awareness yeah Um, that comes down to context again doesn't it i think context is so important um almost like the situation you find yourself in because what I would say is if you're in an organization that is dominated by a certain style um, and that's the way that things have always been done if you're going in there to do something different and to kind of take a different approach that could be a brilliant experience but it's understanding that that's going to feel hard because you're going to be approaching it in a different way to to the way that they're used to and so I think then that's where um, if you are going into a, a new role or a new a new kind of situation or different team, understanding as much as you can about that context before you start means that you will be better placed to understand how kind of your own profile is likely to fit in that context, how much you feel you'll have to have to adapt, and why you might find certain things harder than others. I think that that is our action. So kind of in summary for this week, those are the three actions there. So work out where you are and what situations trigger your default mode go through that process that Sarah and I have been through about when it's serving you and when it's not serving you and think think that through because then you can take more control over it and then you can then adapt your approach accordingly and so it's just that kind of awareness response um, approach that we're trying to get you to yeah. so there are there are actions and to help you we're going to give you a couple of resources um so the first one a couple? is you've got a list of about 10 here well you know i'm not we're not going to go through all these people <laughs> so i'm going to so the first thing i'm going to do because in doing the research i found so much stuff and that i've got a really quick um, quiz for you as well that you can do to work out whether you're an introvert or an extrovert I've got links that you can do um, full full tests on like 16 personalities what I'm going to do is write a blog post on this because I think there's so much in here and it'll be the most easy way for you listeners to like take action from some of the stuff that we've researched so I will write a blog post that will be up when this podcast goes live so if you go to www.amazingif and then you go to our blog posts the most recent blog post will be on introversion and extroversion and it will have some quick questions and it will have some links which will include um, a book link to quiet the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking that's by susan kane and she's also done a brilliant ted talk that we will link to and we'll also put some of those tests on and we'll put the link to the adam wharton research about ambiverts as well so it's the easiest way so that you can all take action on this i think so next week sarah what are we covering next week so next week we're going to talk about how to do a great interview uh we've all been there whether it's an internal interview or an external interview um it's that kind of very pressured you've got 45 minutes or an hour sometimes even less 
to impress, uh, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, how do you kind of make the most impact um, when you're when you're interviewing uh, with someone for the first time? So we'll talk all about that. If you've had any particular, if you've got any particular interview questions or questions about being interviewed that you want us to address, let us know. Please do get in touch. Instagram, LinkedIn, email us at getintouchatamazingif.com. Uh, we really love hearing from everyone. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe, um, give us a rating, share it with people. Uh, it really helps us and it means that we can keep doing these every week, um, which we both enjoy and hopefully everyone's getting lots of value from them. So thank you so much for listening um, and we'll speak to you all next week. Thank you. Speak to you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.